It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back to Locked On Chiefs. This is a unique one because... Uh, not only were you a little bit loud on this particular beginning, but we're all live in St. Joe together. Chris Clark, Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest, as well as me, your friendly neighborhood Yahoo. Uh, it's warm, we're tired, and there's a lot to talk about. The story of the day for Locked On Chiefs from Chris Clark and Ryan Tracy is that the defense strikes back. Uh, it sounds like a Star Wars movie, which I enjoy, but... Uh, a couple of picks came in, uh, more so than we expected from Patrick Mahomes. And Matt, when you see how the practice went, uh, you know, coming off preseason game number one, what's, what's your general impression? Yeah, I, you know, sometimes I think there's a tendency coming off this first game to sometimes be a little flat. Um, I didn't think they particularly were today, other than maybe the offense was a little flat. Um, defense definitely got the best of them. Um, there were some situations they were working on today. Um, one situation was, you know, teams down by eight, they need to come down and get a touchdown and a two point conversion. Um, another, another situation we're working on was they just need a field goal, uh, come down for that. And yeah, the offense got a couple of wins, but most of them went to the defense today. Well, when you start talking about down by eight, down by field goal, that's actually really important when you start, when you start talking about interceptions, because when you know that that's the play or that's what's going on, you have to force a ball. He's not going to throw that pick if he doesn't need that score. I mean, he's going to, you know, throw it away, whatever. But he absolutely needed those points at that point. And the only way you do that is you try to force a play and you try to make a play. And I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Patrick Mahomes, by far, after last year, gets the benefit of the doubt on any of that stuff. He's going to try to make a play. And if he gets an interception, he gets an interception. Uh, he's going to make up for it later, and you know it. So, Benefit of the doubt on a silver platter, basically. Yeah. Um, one of the guys that really um, – Capitalized, if you want to call it, uh, was a guy that kind of carried over from the, the game the other night. Uh, Bajon Breland came up with two in practice, uh, fulfilling after he got utterly destroyed at the line of scrimmage and played catch up pretty well. Uh, I don't know if that was kind of a wake up play or what for him. And actually, it was reported that Reed talked about that in the presser today. It wasn't, it wasn't that he got busted on that play. It was a busted coverage. Somebody else missed a, an assignment and that was not Breland's guy. Oh, so guy. this is a safety roll off. Did he go into specifics? Yeah, well, he he went in specifically to say that it was a great play by Breland because you know that yeah it was busted coverage and he just used his instincts to catch up on the play, and and, and you know what you saw that in practice today too yeah. you know you saw a ball that he was beat on Sammy Watkins um, it helped that the ball was a tad underthrown right but but Breland I mean he skied he got a fingertip on it and then corralled the ball that's uh, that's still an athletic play well and, and my big thing on that is like I said it's not a big shot at Breland for. Not making a great play because I think he did, but really just to say we don't always know what we see when we're watching the game, and having Reed come out and say that really tells me that you know he knows what was really going on. He wanted other people to know what was really going on because Breland really did make a good play. I thought he was beat. I know you did too, and I'm probably pretty sure most of the people in the media room would I would guess thought he was just beat on a bad coverage, but his closing speed was very impressive on that play. Bashad, uh, I apologize. <laughs> I was watching on my phone. I'm sorry. But either way, yeah, capitalize. And I like going back because when he was first signed, I was pretty excited about it because 
despite all the drama of camp last year, uh, and the holdout, or not even holdout, but the, the elongated break that he had. When he did sign Green Bay, he made some plays, he had some picks. I thought that he looked better uh, than he had it previously, at least at the tail end in Washington. So I, I think it's kind of picking back up for him where he left off. Yeah, I mean, there's there's two things going on with Breland. One is that he's healthy, which he has not been for a while. Last year was really a lost season from that standpoint. And the other thing is that the Chiefs got him doing what he's good at. You know, he had he played a lot of slot last year in Green Bay. Not comfortable there. I mean, that's not his spot. So they've got him on the outside. They've got him on the right side where he's comfortable. And looks like he's, you know, getting comfortable with his defense, too. I mean, he's just more and more comfortable. And if you've got the ability to, in this in this defense, if you've got the ability to, to help out and clear up mistakes from my other guys, that's a big deal. I mean, that you've got to be able to do that in any defense. But doing it in this scheme already, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of a departure, right? Like, we saw a lot of zone the other night. And I think that's only going to progress from here, right? They are. They they still don't know what what coverages they're going to play. They really don't. I mean, you know, Steve Spagnuolo is still trying to figure out what suits best with his talent. It's going to change with you know adding when when you get Claiborne in. That's going to change as well. Um, and it's going to change with just you know figuring out the rotation. Who's going to actually play? What's going to be in there? Because uh, he doesn't know what all these guys do best. He doesn't know what the best rotation is. And, you know, and he's got a history and two of the past of just playing multiple coverages. So it's going to certainly be, you know, positions are opponent specific what? that they're going to do different things based on the situations, which they haven't always done in the past. And, and I know it. I know I like that you brought up rotation because to me, that was another big takeaway from practice today. Juan Thornhill did get a pick in a two point conversion instance. Well, we talked about that a little bit earlier, but the bigger story there is he actually was getting first string reps and you would have had to have told me. I would have believed he would start day one, but at this point he hasn't, and that's because of the way Reed does things. And I get why Reed does what he does, but he, I still think he's the opening day starter at safety. I would be hard pressed to bet against that. I mean, you know, you just you just see the talent out there, and 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 they definitely the team believes that their best pairing is Matthew and Thornhill because uh, Matthew likes to play close to the line of scrimmage. He's very good there. And Thornhill, he can do multiple things, but he's really good on that back end. He's got the speed to play free safety. That pair is their best. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't see how you can keep Thornhill off the field at this point. He's just looked too good. And I think we need to dig into him more. So folks, we'll take our first break. We'll be back and we'll get into the specifics of what went on and how everybody looks. You fantasy players want to listen to Vinny Iyer on Locked On Fantasy Football. With his 20 years covering the game, don't listen to the same old stuff as everyone else. Listen to the best. Check out Locked On Fantasy Football. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can improve your performance and have that extra confidence. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. With no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code MLB, to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster 
Your Choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so you start thinking about what Thornhill is going to bring to this defense. He brings speed, he brings youth, he brings uh ball skills. I mean, you see that on... Every single practice, he's getting his hands on the ball. If he's not getting an interception, he's getting his hands on the ball and at least batting the pass down. And I hate going here, but I'm going to go here anyway just because of the number. But he reminds me a little bit of Marcus Peters when you're talking about ball, being always being around the ball, always picking something off. He seems to be a guy every single day that is at least around the ball and knocking a pass down, if not intercepting one. I'm not saying he's going to be Marcus Peters and, and go get a, you know that many picks, but you know you look at what he's been doing. He is a ball hawk. He does it in different ways. I mean, you know, Peters was a risk reward kind of guy. I mean, he right. was willing to to take some risk and he was willing to give up some some space in order to try and create a play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Thornhill's not. I mean, he's he does it in a completely different way. But you're right. I mean, he's around the ball and at that safety position, he's got to be a bit of an eraser. And he's got two things going for him. He's got he's got speed and he's got instincts. And you know, Steve Spagnuolo said that he's still thinking a little bit more out there than they want him to. They want him to just be more reactive and and moving on just pure instinct and just knowing where he needs to be and moving faster. But and I think you're seeing that. I mean, he needed to get out there the first game, and I think it's notable that you get Thornhill out there in the first preseason game, and in the first practice they they start mixing him in with the ones. It's I think there's a connection there. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, athletically, he's he's supreme in terms of what this last draft class allowed and where he was selected. I think it fits. For me, watching practice was a different animal because on, on the broadcast, you can't see how they're keying. But his first step is not always right, but he recovers really, really fast. And I saw him coming downhill. I saw him taking good angles. I really like the way that he's seeing it and going. And like you said, he's still thinking a little bit, but he's pretty instinctive overall. He is, and I mean, and you can see the the speed and the agility that he has that allows him to to do exactly what you're talking about. I and mean, if that first step is wrong, he can recover quickly. And I, you know, he played a little bit of corner in college at Virginia, and you can see that because he's he's a better cover guy than I expected. I mean, you can see him every once in a while when he does have to go into a man situation, and he's got you know one on one specific coverages. Um, he doesn't get beat very often. I mean, he's in the area, and that's that's half the battle. Yeah. Well, that's absolutely half the battle. And then, you know, we start looking at other players that uh, we need to talk about. Demontre Wade didn't practice today as a knee contusion. Uh, that was one of the things that was pointed out. Uh, Alex Okafor uh, came back to practice but didn't practice in team. Emmanuel Ogba did practice, uh, and he did practice in team. So that's a good sign. Frank Clark, who didn't play at all, did practice. Tyree Teal played one snap. He practiced. Uh, Chiefs are getting healthier really very few guys that that mispracticed today. But one thing I do want to say is you also saw plays from uh Mark Fields mixing it up. Uh you know, he stepped up for Demo- he stepped in for Demontre Wade because Wade couldn't practice. So you know you saw him step up and you saw him do some things and and one of my favorite plays at camp and I had told Ryan watch Rashard Davis 
and Davis went on a go route and he caught it over the shoulder, but Fields, it was a beautiful ball. The ball was perfect. Fields was in the best position you can ask him to be in. And the best part about it wasn't necessarily that he let the catch or wasn't necessarily the him running with him. It was watching him try to get the ball out of Davis's <laughs> hands the last 20 yards of the end zone and just playing. I mean, it was, it was great. So yeah, we were, we were in the, uh, in the press tent and, and I was sitting next to Nate Taylor and Nate was like, plays over, Mark. Play's over. You're beat. Play's over. <laughs> Get revenge, I say. I like it. I, I Running with the twos, basically, right, in Wade's place, right? Yeah, Fields field was running with the twos over at left cornerback, or right cornerback today, um, Herb Miller over on the left side. That's you know, I'll tell you what, that's a player that I think has really kind of been overlooked is that you talk about Fields because he went to Clemson and he's got the pedigree. Um, but you know what? We're seeing the same thing in Kansas City that you saw on Clemson, which is that he seems to have trouble moving up the depth chart. Yeah. And that's a it's a bit of a pickle because everybody talks about the skills and the athleticism and that there seems to be a lot there, but what's going on? And you know, and Herb Miller, who is, you know, m- you know, much more underrated, I think with Florida Atlantic right. maybe. Thanks for I'm trying to remember. Uh <laughs> But, you know, I mean, and they've asked him to do a lot of different things, but, I mean, so far in camp, Herb Miller's beaten him. Yeah. I mean, he's ahead of yeah. fields. So. He's got a nice little, he's got length. I mean, he can run just fine. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to like there. I mean, that's what the Chiefs liked with him bringing him in was, you know, he's got the length. He said he fits their prototype of what you want in a corner and he's got the little physicality to him. And, you know, he had the interception on the Hail Mary the other night. So. Got some ball skills. I mean, yeah. there's 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 something to like there, but you know, we, we uh, there's been a lot of talk about Mark Fields, but not me. I think people have been sleeping on her Miller a little bit. Well, at least Miller tried to return the interception that he caught uh, <laughs> during the game, but that's another story. Uh, <laughs> you know, the other corner that we haven't talked about is Maurice Claiborne. He actually started practicing. He's wearing number twenty for the Chiefs at this point. Uh, didn't really do a lot, and that's to be expected. He doesn't know the defense. He hasn't been here. Uh, he's got to get acclimated, but it already I. I think I saw specifically he will not play this Saturday against the Steelers. Probably not. Yeah, he just he just mixed in with the seven on seven today. No team period stuff. Um, spent a lot of time on the sidelines talking to Dave Merritt and Sam Madison. Just kind of because yeah, that's what he is. I mean, he got the playbook over the weekend. Uh, tried to acclimate himself a little bit, but it's all brand new. So right. yeah, they want to ease him in slowly. Um, when they when he's ready, they want to get him in there. So yeah, you're probably looking at the third preseason game before you see him. Maybe he sneaks out there against Pittsburgh, but more than likely not. They just want to you know, take a little bit slower with him before they get him out into a game action. Well, and I think that it's also going to be a situation where you wouldn't normally see Morris Claiborne play in preseason game number four. But with a four game suspension coming, I almost guarantee he's going to be playing in that game. I would bet he would too. I mean, you know, that's, that's the, the difficult line that you're walking with him is that yes, he has not had an off season. He hasn't worked. Um, he had the sprained ankle at the end of last season. Andy Reid talked about the injury. That's not a real concern because it wasn't a huge injury of any sort. Um, but no off season. You know, this is part of training camp. So he's only really got, you know, a little less than four weeks here to get everything in. And then he's got to shut it down for four weeks where he won't be around the team. And, and in that case, yeah, I mean, you've, you've got, you've got to cram a lot of stuff into the next, you know, three and a half, four weeks. But at the same time, you can't push him too fast because you're pushing too fast. gets an injury. uh, Yeah. I mean, now you're really lost again. Yeah. Well, the other guy before we derail and I make everything about defense, um, a couple of interesting wrinkles. Frank Clark lined up on the left side some today. 
Um, I thought that was interesting. We saw some of the NASCAR with one down, three up. Um, what's your impression of, of those two things? Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, Frank Clark, they have bounced him around quite a bit um, from time to time. I mean, he spent most of his time on the right side, but it's, I think it's hard to tell at this point whether it's just simply trying to find his best side, getting a little bit of both action, um, finding out what other guy's best side is. You're right. I mean, today was there was a lot more rotation along the defensive line than we have seen. Colin Saunders was yeah. getting his first snaps on, on the first, first team defense. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and they did some interesting things with you know move, you move Tonal Passanio inside. He bounced around, played a few different positions. Tell you what, I don't know what to what to think of it. Joey Ivy snuck in and got a couple of snaps <laughs> for the first team. I may I, I may have slept on him because he came in early in the rotation on Saturday night too. I'm I wonder if Joey Ivy's higher in his depth chart than we think he is. Ooh, putting us all on notice. Well, he's probably not alone. So we'll take our second break, folks. We'll come back uh, and we'll hit the other side of the ball pretty hard. The new Locked On NFL is on fire with new host Brian Peacock joining Matt Williamson for your daily national podcast on all things NFL. Check out Locked On NFL. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So you start looking at the offensive side of the ball, and Ryan and I, and actually Seth, were actually all at training camp today, and we were all kind of just joking around and, and laughing because you sit here and you look at this offense, and we saw what McCole Hardman can do on his touchdown catch from Henny, uh, and yeah, that's a kind of a joke in and of itself, but <laughs> you watch his speed, you watch his ability to cut and you watch his acceleration. And if you, and Seth said it himself, if you didn't have Tyree Hill on this team, everybody would be going crazy over McCall Hartman. He's, he's looked very good in camp. Uh, he does have his issues with, you know, kick returns and, and that, but as a wide receiver, I think he's looked very good. He does, he has had drops at times. But he is going to be a player in the in the league. Yeah, I mean, you can you can see him and Mahomes are, are still getting their timing down, especially on some of the deep ball stuff. And and so a lot's been made of you know the fact that he does need to you know learn more about finishing plays and and running to the end and continuing every route. Um, he's gotten better at that too. Uh, I mean, to me, I think there's a difference between him and Hill in the sense that. Uh, Hill was so explosive that first training camp. I mean, right. he just blew everybody's doors off. And to me, uh, that was different. But at the same time, I think it was just more that Hill has is was better as a rookie at the big play, explosive stuff, and the ability to just use his natural ability. Hardman is that doesn't quite have that, but he's got more polish as a receiver. So he he runs routes better. He gets into position better. Um, you've seen I've I've seen him you know do some really nice stuff in the short and intermediate game. Um, it's the deep stuff that, yeah, the timing will get there eventually. Right. You know, Mahomes will figure out his speed and how to use it and everything. Um, but that to me, I mean, that's, that's the difference between those two guys at this point in their development is that Hill had just a little bit more athleticism than Hardman has and just some natural, innate, you know, abilities that, that just most guys don't have. And maybe Hardman will show them eventually, but Hardman, to his credit, he's a more polished receiver. I mean, you know, Hill was learning, learning the position and was just kind of, 
Well, faking his way through it there for a while. Yeah, and if, and Hardman's if, not that way. I mean, he's he's more polished. And if Hardman can show the progression that Hill's shown over the three years, it's going to be quite a thing to watch. I guess really where I was going with that comment, and I think where Seth was going was, you compare somebody to Tyree Hill, it's not fair. <laughs> you can't compare those two. It's not a fair comparison. They're not the same player. And anybody compared to Tyree Kill, you're not going to have the same explosion. If you didn't have Tyree Kill on this team and you saw what McCole Hardman was doing, you'd be excited just because at that point he is the most explosive player on the team. He's probably, you know, the, one of the fastest guys, if not the fastest guy on the team. It's just, it's a different. I, well, I, and I, I'll tell you what, I'll extend that to a lot of guys. I mean, you know, if this, uh, especially, you know, going to camp over the years, and I tell this joke a lot, and, and I, I apologize if it hurts a guy's feelings, but I, you know, I first started coming to camp covering the team, I guess in 2013 on kind of a part-time basis, and, um, you know, this was at the time of Junior Hemingway and Frankie Hammond Jr., no. and I was like, there's no way. I like the there's no way that these guys are not going to be future Hall of Famers, and because you know, so that's a little bit what training camp is. It's it's for you know wide receivers to blow your doors off and impress you. Um, but you see this year, and yeah, I mean, you see Sammy Watkins, you see Tyreek Hill, and they're on such a different level that yeah, I mean, it almost makes you overlook almost all of these guys. I mean, if you didn't have Hill and Watkins, yeah, Harbin would be, you'd be raving about, you'd be raving about Richard Davis and how good of a deep receiver he is. Um, you know, this, this is a really deep receiver crew. I mean, there's eight or nine guys that could, you know, catch balls in the, in the league this year at receiver alone. Well, and when, when we watch what happened today too, I think the catch of the day was DeMarcus Robinson, right? A one-hander going into the end zone. And so Hardman in particular, he and Robinson look neck and neck to me. And I'll, I'll I'll go back to my Hemingway, Frankie Hammond Jr. (laughs) (laughs) Training camp lesson. It's a lot easier to catch the ball in seven on seven when no other guy's about to hit you. <laughs> Fair enough. But where do you see those two in terms of competition right now? Uh, you know, it's interesting. I mean, you know, because, I mean, you've got those top four are clear. I mean, as far as who the top four receivers are going to be. Um, we're getting a little separation who maybe who the next couple of guys might be too. But as far as Robinson and Hardman, uh, you know, my expectation at this point, just based on what we have seen, is that Harbin might play more earlier than rookies normally would. Go back and look at Tyreek Hill and how the team worked him in that rookie year. Didn't play a lot, you know, the first few weeks of the season. I mean, it was, it was slowly working him in. It was really a niche spot. Um, I think you're probably going to see more Robinson early, but I think Harbin will work in more quickly and be a little bit more interchangeable. You know, so I think there'll be a top four rotation more than a top three rotation. I think that's good, especially when you were, what are we talking, Green Bay week nine, the Patriots a couple weeks later. I mean, you need to have those weapons available as far as I'm concerned, but I, I, I find it really intriguing. And, you know, they're only going to keep, you know, 17 receivers on this roster. So uh, I think there's enough to go around, but all those last, what, Two spots we're thinking, right? Six is the most they can carry, right? Yeah, they're not going to carry more than six. Uh, you know, I, I theorized that maybe they might keep an extra one when we didn't know Hill status, but uh, no, I mean, there's, there's just, there's no way they can keep more than six, even though they got more than six guys that can play. Yeah, it's going to be six. And right now you're thinking five and six are still Pringle and Camp. Yeah, and I think the separation is is growing a little bit. Um, you know, hey, if injuries come come out or, you know, somebody really explodes like a Richard Davis, you know, you got Gary Dieter maybe coming back. I think Cody Thompson and and Felton Davis, Jody Forts in that group is probably just a step behind 
Practice but, squad. But, yeah, all, all those guys are practice squad yeah. candidates. I was, it certainly wouldn't be surprised if a handful of them stick around. Wait a second. No Jamal Custis? Um. Uh, <laughs> Custis? He had a catch the other night? Had a catch today? Yeah, he also dropped one right in his hands today. That's been a problem as well. Not that Chris is holding that against him or anything. No, I just, I just, I was specifically watching him because we have talked about him at different times and of all the things that he should be able to do, you get a ball right here and he's <laughs> got it. Mitts. Yeah, with those mitts, he's got 10 and a half inch hands. Somebody tweeted at me earlier, he's got 10 and a half inch hands and the ball hits him right in the hands and he's got somebody posted up on his back and he drops it. And if you want to make this roster at his size with, with his skill level, you can't drop anything. Yeah. So keeping six, what does that do for my guy, old long hair John Lovett? Well, I mean, we'll see how the injury and the separated shoulder plays into it too. But, um, you know, they see Lovett is, I mean, he, he really is a true H back. Mm. I mean, it's, uh, I don't think that his roster spot's really affected by, you know, keeping six receivers. But if Lovett is healthy and makes this team, it probably affects third tight end and whether you keep a real third one. Cause, cause Lovett, I mean, isn't technically a tight end. Right. He's not technically a fullback. I mean, line. he's a tweener. I mean, it really is between those both, those two, but could he play a few snaps of tight end if you need to? Yeah. Now, can you have John Lovett play your number two tight end for three weeks? That's not what this team wants to do. They well, want him in kind of some niche situations and specific roles. The bigger question for me with Lovett is how do you shape the rest of the roster on offense? Because to me, your real problem becomes not necessarily three tight ends. It's how many running backs are you going to keep? Because right now they have at least four that they, I can't imagine they're going to cut any of them. Uh, and that would be Williams, Williams, Hyde and Thompson. And then you have Anthony Sherman. So that could you five running backs and you're not even talking about Tremont Smith yet. Exactly. So if you have to go six deep at running back, I don't see how you can keep a guy like Lovett is. Even an H-back role or a third tight end, you have to go short somewhere else. And they're probably going short at QB, too, but you're going to have to go short. I mean, it's all right. You'll have two fullbacks. Everything will be fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you start getting into the math, and, yeah, six tight ends. Th- or six tight ends. Six, <laughs> six, six running backs. Wait a second. Now we're the green backs. We're the green backs. That would, be, that, would be a, that would be quite the formation out there. Uh, six running backs, six receivers, three tight ends, an H-back. Yeah, you, those numbers don't add up, especially, you know, nine offensive linemen. You can't and, do that. And I'm glad you bring up offensive linemen because that's another thing I noticed today is Allegretti went in at second string center, not Murray. Yeah, that was that was a little bit of a tweak. Um, we've seen them rotate in before, but this was the first time that we have seen a full practice with Allegretti at center. Um, Ryan Hunter moving up the second line and playing left guard. Um, that's kind of his first rotation there. And Jimmy Murray backing down uh, to third team. We'll see in the next couple of days. It'll be interesting to see if that rotation holds. Right. Is this just a one-day experiment to rotate guys? Or, or is this a reaction from Saturday and saying, you know what? These guys played better. This guy didn't. And and you know you're going to keep Allegretti. They they like him. There's a lot of upside there. He's making this team. If he can play center, do you need another guy that can play center as well? You know, maybe well, well, that's the big thing. With maybe Murray. guards only you know a second position. If that's, he could, yeah, I mean that's a question. If he could have, if he could have kept on that second center job, he makes the team, and so does Allegretti. So then you have to go heavier your line. But if you can keep Allegretti and not have to keep Murray, 
that opens another spot where Lovett could land. Yeah. It does um, open it does open up a spot, and then yeah, I mean, you've got the question with Khalil McKenzie: how does he fit in? And um, you, you're going to have some practice squad spots too, and they got some guys who will be a fit for that. So right. and. I mean, Pace Murphy has been a consistent guy today, and, and today they moved him over to left tackle, and he was doing some work over there as well. So, and he'd been playing mostly right tackle on the on the number two line. So. Well, and I did think it was interesting watching, uh, and Ryan and I were actually talking about this after practice, watching Pace Murphy walk off the field with Mitchell Schwartz. Um, those two were just talking, and, and I'm probably making a mountain out of a mole or a mole a mountain out of a molehill, but you know, them trying to just talk, and I guarantee it wasn't about just anything else. It was. Murphy trying to get more information from Schwartz. I mean, that's just yeah, no, like. I mean, they, they, you, and that's the type of guy Schwartz is, from what I understand. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, Murphy looked like he played pretty well the other night. He's had a good camp. Um, I, he's a long shot to make the roster because you've got a swing tackle, but practice squad, absolutely, he's a candidate. Well, and you're going to need guys for practice, or you're going to need guys for swing tackle in the future as well. So, uh, definitely something to look at. Now, the other question I have when it comes to offense: Do you think Shermer's officially passed Litton? I I don't know how you can say otherwise at this point because we've had too many practices and a game where it's been Shermer taking the three and Litton taking the four and there's not been any rotation. Right. So I I don't see how you can say anything else that Shermer's the three. And, and you sit there and you watch today's practice on 11 on 11 or 7 on 7, I can't remember what it was. And I don't think think Litton got any snaps at all. The fourth, the fourth string didn't. First even go rotation, in. yeah. The first rotation, throwing eleven, eleven. Yeah, the fourth string didn't, and that's that's sometimes typical of that position and everything. But yeah, I mean, we're at least I think more than a week now where there hasn't been any rotation at all with those two guys. So I don't see how you could say anything else. And Shermer's a three. Are they, are they in danger of exposing him too much that he is going to get plucked and they won't get him on the practice squad? I mean, I think, with, especially with the, going around the league now with so many teams just keeping two guys and everything, I think it's really hard to lose a guy, a quarterback, you know, two waivers. I mean, I, now, are they putting themselves in a position where, hey, we're not gonna, we know we're not going to lose two of these guys, so we can maybe put both of them out there and, and we're comfortable keeping whichever one. Stays. Stays. Yeah. Well, and, and Lytton's um, pick was bad enough to where I think that's going to help them keep him. And remember, if I'm not mistaken, last year the Chiefs kept McGloin on, on the roster for the first cutdown. Yeah. And then once Lytton cleared waivers, then they mm-hmm. they signed him and released McGloin. So you could see something like that happening again, too. Well, we're going to be back tomorrow with more of what's going on and what we could see happening. So make sure you're checking everything out on Chiefs Digest, as well as Matt's posting over at... 810WHB.com as well. Uh, we'll have more for you tomorrow from camp. All three of us together, knock on wood. Otherwise, it'll just meet me and Chris yakking at you again. Thank you for all you guys do for us in terms of uh, iTunes reviews and YouTube comments. Appreciate all that. Uh, thank you for today, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnChiefs. Check out my work at RGR Football on YouTube. Chris's work on LockedOnChiefs.com and all of Seth's film analysis at TheAthletic.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? 
Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.